had a great time on vacation with my family, and it's good to be back. As I was, uh, I went to visit my dad um, over the weekend because he's not doing well, and he's in the nursing home. And on the way back from uh, Chattanooga, I was just thinking and praying about the message and the sermon, and I got the sense that the Spirit wanted me to talk about something else. And I said, well, I'll pray over it and pray about it, sleep on it. And I got up this morning. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go with the message I already typed and I already worked on. Then I got to church, and I still couldn't let it go. So I'm going to preach another message. And I've never done this before, so I'm outside of my comfort zone with this. But... Visiting my dad over the weekend impacted me more than I thought it would did when I went there. You know, my growing up, my dad was the strongest man I knew, the hardest man I knew, hard worker, didn't take handouts, always provided for himself, very clean, always wanted his house clean. And seeing him at age 60, not able to do the basic things for himself anymore, it really has done something to me emotionally. And I was telling Waikita that I think I realized why I don't ever want to go home. It's because I don't want to see it. I don't want to deal with it. I think if we're honest with ourselves, I think we all prefer a virtual reality where we don't have to deal with certain things in life. It's easy just to place it out of mind and out of sight. And sometimes it's hard actually dealing with reality. In a reality where parents get older, their bodies break down, and they have to send them into a nursing home. And we haven't told him that he's not going to ever leave that place yet. And that's another conversation we got to have next month. And I'm not looking forward to that. Because he might not ever want to speak to us again. And I'm sad because I know he doesn't want to be there. And it's hard. So how do you deal with actual reality when you really don't want to deal with it? And I don't really know how to answer that question. Because I always thought, well, I love my family. I can get through anything. But when you're in it and you're seeing it, it ain't always easy. It ain't no easy answers. There are no easy fixes. And, you, and, 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 me, and, and even here, singing these songs ain't helping me. <laughs> it ain't going to make my dad better. He ain't ever going to be the man he used to be again. No matter how much I want it or how much I pray for it, he done had two strokes. He ain't ever going to be the man he used to be again. And I got to accept it. He has to accept it. 
And it's hard accepting it. It's hard living in actual reality. And I prefer a virtual reality where life is always well. Where I don't have to deal with it. Where I can just go and deal with with life and I'm always happy and everything's good. I can come here, do a sermon, and, 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 and everything's fine. But that's not life. That's not life. In Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat was told that a great herd of people was coming to invade Jerusalem. They were outnumbered. They didn't have the men to to fight off this army. And the odds were against them. And they were going to lose. And one of the things in, in, in Jehoshaphat, in his prayer, he says to the people, Our God, will you not execute judgment on these people? For we are powerless against this great herd. This is in verse 12 in chapter 20, Second Chronicles. We are powerless against this great herd that is coming against us. Have you ever felt powerless? Powerless. That no matter, you have the resources, you have the education, but it still ain't enough. I felt that this weekend. Powerless. Hopeless. And it's not a good feeling. He goes on to say, he says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And that's what I want to talk about today. When you don't know what to do, where are your eyes? When you don't know what to do with your kids, where are your eyes? When you don't know what to do about your finances, where are your eyes? Where are you looking to? When you don't know what to do in society when things are breaking down, where is your focus? Because things do break down. And actually, if you deal with actual reality, you see that life is hard. It is hard. And no amount of praise songs and scripture memory is going to change that reality. It's hard. Where are your eyes? Where is your focus? Can you say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you? That sounds good. But it's not often easy. Because sometimes we get mad with God. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we get angry. Why am I dealing with this? Why are my kids dealing with this? One member here told me, said, a parent is only as happy as the unhappiest child. Sometimes that's true. Because it, it impacts us. We're not robots. Life impacts us all. But can we look at the Lord in the midst of it? Can we keep our focus on him when we're disappointed? I know you say yes now. 
But when you're in the thick of it, it's hard. I wasn't focusing on Jesus. I wasn't looking at Jesus this weekend. I was in pain. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was depressed, stressed out of my mind because I can't fix it. Where is your focus, saints? Where are you going to get life? Where are you going to get the encouragement that you need to press on and to press through? What are you doing? Young kids, where are you going? Kids who are getting ready to go to college, where are you going? You can build your life with a virtual reality, but eventually reality is going to crack in. Eventually something's going to happen that's going to break it up. Because oftentimes we are building a house of cards. And eventually that house comes tumbling down. And if you are not gazing into the eyes of Jesus, if you are not gazing there, you're going to feel hopeless. Or you're going to think he's punishing you. But he's not. These words are for me. You may think they're for you, but these are for me. Because I have a hard time believing it. But I, just want, I want to encourage you that God will come. He will show up. He will be there. And you're not alone. It feels like you're alone. It feels that way. But it's not. I, I often wish the prosperity gospel was real. I wish that often. The health and wealth that God gonna make everything better. If you just have the faith and believe hard enough. Or you tithe more, you sow your seed. I often wish that was true. But it's not. But it's not. But the greatest comfort In this life is knowing that Jesus understands what it's like to be us. He understands. Because he went through it. He went through pain. He went through loss. He went through rejection. He even knows what it's like to have your father forsake you. Because that's what happened on the cross. There's no pain that you're going to go through that Jesus don't understand. No rejection, no hurt, no abandonment that he can't identify with. And he has empathy for you. But do you believe that? Do you live in that? Do you embrace that? Does that give you hope? Does that give you peace? Does that give you encouragement? Later on in this chapter, in in verse 15, Jehoshaphat says, Do not be afraid. Do not be be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. We lose hope as American Christians because we think the battle is ours. We lose hope Because we think if we have the right people on our side, the battle is ours. 
or if we have the right person in, in certain offices, the power is ours, the battle is ours. Or if we just have this resource, if we just have that and we have this, then, it, then we're winning it. It's never us doing it. It's always Yahweh Elohim. It's always his battle. That do you believe God fights for you? He fights for you. He fights for your kids. He cares when things in life aren't well. He cares when your family's not well. He fights for you. But do you believe you're fighting on your own? We are not orphans. We are sons and daughters. And that's an amen statement. I ain't going to pull out the amen sign today. That he is for you and not against you. That even though he hasn't promised us a life free of pain, he has promised to walk with us through it. He has promised to shepherd us through it. That we are never alone. That we can trust him. I struggle to trust him. Now, my life is well. Go, Jesus. But when disappointment comes or something happens with my babies, then I'm qu- I question him. Can I really trust you? Are you really good? You hear the voice of the enemy in the garden. Can, did God really say? Did he really say? He's going to be faithful to you. Did he really say he'd never abandon you? Did he really say he's forever on your side? Did he, did he really say these things? Yes, he did. And it's okay to say, I struggle with unbelief. It's okay to say that. Because when you, when you own it, the enemy can't hold it up against you. I wish I can come in here week in, week in and week out and, and, and give you a happy sermon and, and give you ten things to go do to make your life better. I just don't, that's not my, that's not the type of preacher I am. I won't be loving you well if I preach those type of sermons. But I want to give you hope in the midst of the battle. I want to tell you that you're not alone. I want to tell you that God is on your side. And that if he has made a way to deal with our sin, how will he not also make a way to deal with our pain? To deal with our fear. I'm afraid right now. I'm afraid. And there's certain, some of you are afraid of certain things too. But God can even deal with our fear and strengthen us to not let it keep us trapped. Because it can. It can paralyze you. It can hold you back. It'll impact the way that you parent. Because what's underneath that fear is you're saying God is not faithful and good. I have to do it. I have to protect. I have to fix it. But the battle is not ours. 
It is the Lord's. This is, this is, think about who our God is. He spoke all this into existence by the word of his power. Can he not also handle your problems? Don't forget who he is. He's not an idol made by the hands of man. He's, he's, he's the one true God and he is in control. He is working on our behalf. And we got to believe that and cling to that and live in that. Because if he's not real, if none of this stuff is real, as Paul says, people should feel sorry for us. Sorry for us if none of this is true. That we have been hoodwinked and deceived if none of this is real. So I'm here to tell you it's real. I'm here to tell you that God is for you. He's on your side. He will provide. He will come and fight for his people because he's been fighting for them forever. When you think about what happened to our first parents in the garden, there was so much grace in the garden. Even in the midst of discipline, there was grace. Even when he kicked them out of Eden, do you know that was, that was grace? Why was that grace, Pastor? Because if they ate from the tree of life in a fallen state, they would have lived forever in a fallen state. But because he loved them, he sent them away. Because he knew he had to send a Savior to make things right. And that is Jesus. That is Jesus. You think God makes this stuff up as he go? That's what we do. You think he's just sitting in heaven? Oh, Lord. Well, I'm Lord. We just need, we need plan B. He, that's not him. He's not making it up as he goes. Thank God he's not. Because if he is, we're in trouble. You're in trouble. Your life is in trouble. And he can't be trusted. If he's making it up as he goes. That's not the God that we serve. Is that a God that you believe in? Do you believe in a God who is able? Do you believe in a God who is in control? Do you believe in a God who's on your side? Do you believe in a God who speaks into your pain and shepherds you through it? Do you believe in a God who, who doesn't hold these things over your head, who when you come to him in prayer, he says, I understand, my child. I understand. And I'm with you. Even Christ says, cast all your burdens upon me because I care for you. And if you have a hard time doing that, again, it means you don't think he can be trusted with your pain and your disappointments, and your struggles, and your unbelief, and your failures. He can. You don't know what to do, but your eyes can be on Jesus. Are they? What are you running to, saints? 
who is your practical and functional savior? The one that you really want to day in and day out. For me, it's often food. So, because I'm a comfort eater. And that doesn't help because I gain weight when I do that. So that's not a really good savior. And so you have yours. Don't laugh at me. You have yours. Don't be laughing at me. So you have yours. What is it? What is it? I'm here to tell you, anything outside of Jesus is a poor savior. It's a poor redeemer. It's a poor friend. He ain't ever going to give you what you truly need. There was a, there's a psalm, Psalm 9. Uh, this is a psalm that I've been, I meditate on all the time now, every week. It's Psalm 9, beginning in verse 10. It says, those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Think about that. Those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who trust you, who seek you. Seek him. Don't just seek him when life is well. Seek him when life is not well. Seek him all the time. You don't have to Beg God to give you his attention. You never have to beg him. You know why? Because you have all of it at this very moment. There is not a moment in your life when you don't have his attention, when you don't have his favor, when you don't have his ear. You always have it if you know Christ in saving faith. So you can always come to him. I always wonder if God knows everything, why do I need to pray and take my problems to him? It's the same reason that even though I married Waikita, I still need to pursue her. Because I'm in relationship with her. And in relationship with God, he wants you to come to him with your problems. He wants you to come with your hands out. Saying, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are focused on you. You may be here saying, I always know what to do. Eventually, you won't. Because pride always comes before the fall. Eventually, you won't know what to do. And when that time comes, Jesus is there to welcome you, to hear from you. And so, those are my words of encouragement. I, mean, I just encourage myself. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that. And so, I know this is an unusual message for me, but it's the one I think the Spirit wanted me to share today. Because so often, we, we can navigate life really trying to build a virtual reality. And not really dealing with actual reality. But if you know that God is good. If you know that he is faithful. Then you can face reality. Head on. 
Not confident in your own strength, but confident in knowing that God is on your side. The call to worship. What does it say? You are our rock, our fortress, our deliverer. Are, are those things that's not true? They're true. If he is your rock and your shield, your stronghold, your savior, your fortress, if he's really those things for us, then we have nothing to worry about. That he is with us and he will get us through it all because he's faithful. And that's what I want you to cling to this week. God's faithfulness to you is there 100% of the time, 365 days a year, he's faithful to you. We struggle just to believe it. But it's there. It's even there when you don't believe it. Think about that. It's even there when you don't believe it. When you can't see it, it's there. Because that's the type of God we serve. This type of God that we serve. And if you don't know this God, if you don't know our God, then you can know him. All you got to do is come to faith in Jesus. All you got to do is confess that that you're in need of him, that you have sinned against him, and he will forgive you, and he will bring you into his kingdom, and he will stamp you with his approval, and you will be his son and daughter forever. And there's nothing that you can do to lose that sonship and daughtership. Neither is anything you can do to earn it. Because Christ did all the work for you. And that's a good thing. Little kids can have the attention of all the babies of the village church. I know I always say this during communion, but I want to talk to you for a moment. I want each of you to know that Jesus loves you. He loves you. And it's his, he wants you to come to him, come to know him in faith. Your parents want that for you. And I want you to know that he's with you all the time. Even when you get frustrated with your mom and dad, even when they tell you no, they don't feel like it's a good thing, but them parenting you is a good thing. God's grace in your life. And I want you to know that Christ is real. And I pray one day you'll come to know that. That you will have your own relationship with him. And that that you can live this life knowing that you are never alone. That God is with you. Forever with you. I want you to believe that. Let us pray. Father, we don't often know what to do, but our eyes should be on you. Our heart should be on you. And that's my prayer for the saints here. Young and small, young and older, that as they go out this week, they may encounter things in which they don't know what to do. But you know what to do, Lord. You provide. You give. You open up doors. Help our unbelief. Give us comfort. Help us to lean into you. 
Help us to enjoy the, the grace that you have lavished upon us. Help us to know that even in life's disappointments, our God is faithful. Help me to believe that, even when it comes to my dad. And in Christ's name that I pray, amen.